Around Comics, Episode 59. This is Around Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the co-host of Around Comics, Brian Salazar. Hello, hello. And our other co-host and the straw that stirs the drink, Mr. Tom Caters. I can read well. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome aboard for another episode. Hi, Chris. Have you guys here? We're going to be talking uh, with our guests like this week. Like he invited us. <laughs> Good to have hey, you guys. Thanks for showing yeah. up, guys. Every thanks, week it's a surprise when we walk in, and he's like, hey, <laughs> oh, look, I'm so glad I don't have to do it alone up. again. <laughs> Every week it's always possibly could happen. Sal, Tom, you're fired. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for uh, tuning in to another Thursday edition of Around Comics. Our guest this week is going to be uh, current Vertigo writer of The Other Side and another upcoming series called Scout. He is Mr. Jason Aaron. We're going to be talking to Jason in just a couple moments. But first, I'd like to let you know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by the New York Comic Con. The New York Comic Con is bigger, better, and has double the space with more gaming and anime for 2007. Come to the Jacob Javits Center February 23rd through 25th and experience the biggest pop culture event in New York City, featuring comics, anime, manga, graphic novels, video game, trading cards, RPG, MMOs, toys, movies, TV celebrities, and more. Guests of honor include Stan Lee, Jeff Smith, J. Michael Straczynski, and George Perez, with many more to be announced. For a complete list of guests, as well as show and advance ticket information, visit www.nycomiccon.com. Don't miss out on the 2007 New York Comic Con. Snap! Look at how well I read that, guys. Wow, that was... Would I apply myself? Tom had like a vein coming out of his forehead. (laughs) Must read well. Not less lackadaisical. Don't don't crack jokes. Don't make fun. (laughs) We're almost going to have this New York Comic Con spot memorized by the time of the show. The New York Comic Con. And you're going to be checking out all the MMOs. What the hell is an MMO? That's the... The online games? The multiple... Multiple... Something... Masturbator. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple masturbatory. Okay. That, well, universe. that explains it. <laughs> Anywho. All right. Uh, Around we Comics is recorded every one. Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. When you're here, please remember to ask Dark Tower about their Polis membership. It's one of the best you'll find anywhere. Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, indie comics, and trades, as well as statues and action figures. And a big row of new HeroClix cases also. No one cares about it except you. (laughs) Nerd. All right. Come to Dark Tower for all your comics and collectibles needs. And remember that your Around Comics experience isn't complete until you've read this week's Long Box of Love. Each Thursday episode of Around Comics has a wonderfully handcrafted webcomic from Brian Bowles. Check it out every Monday at www... Every Monday? 
every Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. at www.aroundcomics.com. That's the new format. It's still throwing me off, Somebody guys. Somebody dropped <laughs> the ball. All right, scratch this. <laughs> right. And after you check out the Long Box of Love, hang around the site and fill out our listener survey. It lets us know who we're talking to and how we can make Around Comics a better show. It only takes a few minutes. It so means more than we do it. say. All right. Guys, uh, that'll wrap up our beginning announcements. Uh, let's go ahead and talk with Jason Aaron. Let's. And Around Comics is pleased to welcome Jason Aaron. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Fantastic. Good. It's cold. <laughs> it, it is chilly in uh, in Chicago. What's the weather like down in Kansas City? It's cold, too. It's, it's cold, too. It's probably not as windy as it is there, but... Oh, that, 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 that that's a misnomer. It's, it's not like that windy a, here. This is already in, like an awkward weather conversation. <laughs> it's windy. It's not Talk windy. to this guy about the weather. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Talk about the weather for a while. Well, Jason, we've been, uh, I, all three of us on the panel have been fans of The Other Side since it came out. I think we were even looking forward to it quite a bit whenever it was previewed, and it has not disappointed uh, to this point, uh, issue three came out this past week, and uh, mm-hmm. I tell you, let's uh, let's go ahead and start off with where the idea for the other side came from. You can kind of walk us through the genesis of that project. Well, my my interest in the Vietnam War came from the fact that uh, my cousin uh, was Gustav Hatsford, who was a Vietnam vet. He was a Marine combat correspondent in uh, 67, 68. And uh, after he came home, he wrote a book called The Short Timers, which was uh, what Stanley Kubrick bought the rights to and turned into Full Metal Jacket. And Gus also collaborated on the screenplay for that with uh, Kubrick and Michael Herr and, you know, got an Oscar nomination for that. And wrote a couple of other books, one of which was a sequel to uh, The Short Timers called The Phantom Looper. Um, you know, he's obviously much older than me. I'm 33 today. It's your I, birthday? I only met him. I'm sorry? It's your birthday? No, not today. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Just in I'm general. I'm 33 today. It's like, <laughs> what a coincidence. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but, you know, I, I only met him in person maybe four times in my life. Uh, and kind of around the point in my life where I was getting interested in writing, and would have really wanted to talk to him about those things. He had died. He died in 93. And um, uh, unfortunately today, even for the last several years, all his books have been out of print, which there's a long, you know, complicated explanation as to why that is. It's not It's not because of lack of interest. There are a lot of sure. people who love his books and a lot more people who would love to read them just because of the film. Uh, but anyway, because of that, I started a website, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. Uh, just compiled the little things I knew about him and put it online. And Through that site, I, I just read an article about him. I think in the L.A. Times it mentioned uh, a friend of his, quoted a friend of his from Vietnam. So I then said that this guy was an editor at the time. So I just emailed him out of the blue, and his name's Bob Bayer. It turns out he's like literally the nicest fucking guy you could ever meet in your life. And through him, I've gotten to meet this whole group of Vietnam combat correspondents that my cousin was a part of. And I've been to a couple of their reunions. And so just hanging out with those guys and listening to their stories, you know, sitting up drinking with them until 3 in the morning, 
just being a fly on the wall uh, was fascinating, and that's you know just fueled my interest in the war. And the mm-hmm. book that became The Other Side, I actually first pitched to Marvel uh, because I got my first break with Marvel. I pitched it to them as a uh, the relaunch of the Nom. And at one point, it looked like it was going to be part of the whole, you know, epic imprint, which obviously didn't work out. And, uh, you know, several years later, here I am at Vertigo. Well, it's a very unflinching look at, at Vietnam for, you know, any any listeners out there that haven't picked it up. It is, uh, it is a very... I don't want to say realistic because there's you know some you know, psychological and or you know supernat almost supernatural aspect to it, but it is it is a very unflinching look at the war. And uh, we were actually uh, pre-show talking about the Nam and how at, when when it was written that it was probably the uh, the harshest look at the Vietnam War and probably just for the time that it was written. And now the other side has kind of taken that to to another level and and pushed the envelope in, in in that storytelling well thank you i appreciate that but i'd also have to give credit to uh don lomax who you know a lot of people didn't read his book but it was actually coming out the exact same time as the nom it was called uh, vietnam journal it was published by a small company called apple comics i believe i think there may be 17 issues of that the initial run and they're just still some of the most brutal gritty comics that you've ever read and Don Lomax is a guy who was, you know, served in Vietnam. So I knew going in to do the other side that I could never, you know, obviously I wasn't there on the ground. I could never attempt to do, like, a straightforward view of the war from the grunt's perspective and come anywhere close to uh, to Vietnam Journal or even to the NAM because Doug Murray was also a vet. So that's part of the reason that we, you know, that I had to put in these supernatural elements just to give it a different twist. Also, my my cousin's book, The Short Timers, there was an early draft of that that included a lot of weird, surreal elements, like uh, army officers who were vampires and soldiers that would turn into werewolves when they went into combat. So that was an also that was also an influence on the, the surreal elements that you see on the other side. In, in a lot of, you know, war... Uh, stories, especially uh, based on Vietnam, you see a lot of that sort of different type of elements that are surreal or supernatural or psychological uh, twists on on the experience. Do you think that is in relation to that you know experience of being in that war is so sort of mind twisting um, that we see that come out in a lot of the stories? Or do you yeah, think- I think so. Because I, 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 I don't think you, you know, you didn't see stories like that about World War Two. You know, the, the stories you saw that were surreal about that war were more over-the-top kind of creature commandos and airplanes fighting dinosaurs type stuff. But I think Vietnam is just something about the nature of that war just lends itself to, uh, to the elements of a horror story. And that's basically how we approached the other side, is that it was as much a horror story as it was a the war story. Well, one of the things that interests me most about the book is, uh, in reading it, uh, I had picked it as my top of the stack, and I kind of said it cautionary as I said the book could kind of fail. Because when I first started reading it, I was like, oh, it's just kind of like Full Metal Jacket. But then once you introduced mm-hmm. the supernatural parts, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to get it. What sort of pressures as being like a writer and trying to include these supernatural elements? Was it difficult for you to try and weigh, trying to be realistic 
versus adding those elements? Was there any tension in trying to fit both of those together? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Because, uh, you know, I mean, this is a story of the real setting. You know, I, I know real people who were actually there. So, yeah, I was very apprehensive about doing a story with zombies and talking maggots. Because I got to go present that to these guys, you know, face to face. And, you know, these vets, I know, they don't hold anything back. They'll, uh, you know, they'll rip your balls off and feed them to you right there. <laughs> Issue four. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find a lot of resistance when you were trying to pitch this story? Uh, not only the you know oh. the, the content of this particular story, but just it being about uh, you know Vietnam. Well, I think just not particularly Vietnam, but I think just war books in general. Nobody's interested in them because they don't sell. So yeah, I had a a lot of resistance uh, to pitching this book. I, I mean, it it made the rounds, you know, before I finally got accepted at Vertigo, which, you know, that sucking great. It's like I sailed upwards somehow. <laughs> you <laughs> fell up the stairs somehow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the hell I did that, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, just war books in general people turn away from, and even Will Dennis, my editor at Vertigo, when I just emailed him out of the blue and said, hey, this is who I am and I want to do this war book, he's like, good luck to you, but no thanks. Because war books don't sell. It uh, just took me a little time to get him to see that, you know, this wasn't your typical war book. Uh, I think there's also, but I think there's also a really great thing about this book is that while it's about the Vietnam War, there's elements of the story that I think are true probably to anyone. There's Every war has probably had people who didn't want to fight it or people who wanted to fight it but didn't really know what it was about. So it's sort of transcendent in that way, which I think maybe is why this book at this time's kind of been more successful for me as far as a book goes. It has sort of a transcending quality to it. Well, I, you know, probably before we move on too far, because, you know, once again, I don't know if everyone listening has had a chance to pick up the book, which, you know, we obviously highly suggest. But, um, Jason, can you kind of give us the, uh, not, not the pitch, but a quick rundown of the concept of The Other Side? And, and why it's a little bit different than, than some of the other uh, war books that have been out there? Sure. Uh, well, the, the main thing I liked about it, the, the idea is that it, you know, like you said, it, it looks at the war from two different perspectives, which we have seen, you know, you have seen at times before in war comics, but not too much. And uh, so I like that, and that you get the differing perspectives of, uh, you know, you see that both sides are lied to, both sides are taken advantage of, and you know, the, the kids down at the bottom actually doing the fighting, you know, you can't really confuse them with the policymakers and with these overall, overall ideas of communism and domino theories and that type of stuff. Um, so we follow uh, one uh, American Marine who's drafted uh, from Alabama, farm boy. And we also follow a Vietnamese farm boy who uh, enlists in the North Vietnamese Army. And you see their training the first issue and the second issue the american marine makes it to vietnam and the nba soldier begins the march south which you know was a horror show that these soldiers had to walk through before they even got to the war and yeah there, of course you have mm-hmm. i was gonna say there, there's the line in the last issue you know where the 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 north vietnamese guy is like you know go ahead and continue the march you know you're gonna die before you even fire a bullet and it really is mm-hmm. their their journey is i mean it's 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 horrific what the what they're having yeah. to go through and they haven't even seen an american you know troop yet and it's yeah 
Well, I mean, that, the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which was actually a series of trails through Vietnam, was literally the most heavily bombed area in human history. You know, we bombed the shit out of that area, but still could not stop the flow of, of men and machines down it. Well, I thought it, was, it made for a really interesting, you know, display of, of the difference between sort of the training of those two soldiers, uh, you know, the, the, the American soldier, you know, going to boot camp and, and going through the that process, and then the Vietnamese soldier, you know, his sort of training uh, with just you know, traversing the, the countryside and having to go through those horrors uh, and how they, you know, sort of conflict with one another, but at the same time they almost represent the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, indoctrination. It's just, just different ways of going about it. You know, you're just turning these these people into, you know, not mindless killing machines, but, but people who will follow your orders without question and who don't who see their enemy as something less than they are, something less than human, because you, I guess you have to, in a sense, if you're going to treat them that way. Uh, obviously, the research... Uh, that you did for the American side is, you know, it, it's obvious. You, you know, a family member who's written up, you know, an acclaimed book turned movie, and and you know, talking about hanging out with other Vietnam veterans. But where did you research the Vietnamese viewpoint for the book? Because that is that's really half of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, read a lot and also talked to these same guys. There's actually one of the, the vets I know who was uh, an interpreter during the war, so he was a great asset. But there's a lot of great, great literature that has come from Vietnam about their side of the war. Um, the Sorrow of the War, I think, is the most acclaimed novel. And then uh, also a big asset, which was something I found through research with my cousin, and this was the resource that he used, was uh, the writings of a British journalist, Wilfred Burkett, who in, at the time was considered a communist sympathizer and maybe an agent of the KGB because he actually traveled on the ground with the Viet Cong during the war, writing stories about what they were doing, about, you know, I mean, literally traveling on the ground with them as they were being bombed. It, it, I think it, most of his books are out of print, but they're definitely worth the efforts if you can track down copies. Did you know from the very beginning, uh, when, when you first started writing this, that, that you wanted to tell it from both perspectives, or was that something that came about um, later on in the process? Uh, no, that was, that was in the, I mean, that was in the very first pitch I ever sent in of it, which was probably 2002, because um, I just didn't, I don't know, I wasn't interested in, like I said, doing a, a straightforward, on-the-ground war story from just the, the American Grunt's perspective, because that's been done so well before. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say that it was, in some way, you know, my statement on the Iraq war, but... I mean, I started writing it before there even was a, a war in Iraq. But I think just the idea of looking at any type of conflict like that and trying to say, you know, okay, well, how does it look from the, the perspective of the person on the ground on the other side? You know, I think it's always helpful to to try to look at that in any situation and see that, you know, things aren't always so black and white as they, as they might think they are. I have to say that Cameron Stewart art has been really amazing, too, and really capturing sort of, it feels like each issue gets darker and darker artistically. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like thing. If you just look at the backgrounds, as it gets worse and worse, and you see like it's grim. It gets, a and it dog does, it, dragging <laughs> a human arm, and you know, like it just keeps getting darker and darker. Nod to uh, the Gunner and Sarge, isn't that the old DC character with the, the guy with the dog? Yes. Okay, that was our, that was our Gunner and Sarge moment. Oh, <laughs> dragging a severed arm. Well, I do have to say I enjoyed in the second issue the guy reading uh, old comic books 
mm-hmm. and the, uh, I thought that was a nice little touch that was sort of Thank a... Uh, what, what you have to, you have to um, uh, clarify this for us. Now, John Hook, who uh, uh, a friend of yours? He he he's full of shit. Don't believe anything he's done. <laughs> uh, see, he told it. He told us that 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 you put him in the book. Well, yeah, I put. He's Vietnamese. I wrote it like a long, you know, character notes for all these characters, all the the soldiers, American soldiers that you see in the book. So they're all named after you know guys who shop at this one store in Kansas City, Link Comics. So you know. Everybody doesn't get their name spoken, and I wasn't going to make Cameron draw little fucking name tags on guys. <laughs> but all those guys you see in the background, like sitting around, yeah, they all have names. That's cool. That, that's nice. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the character in issue two who gets shot, the, the guy reading the comics, he's his name is is Benderup in the book, and that's William Benderup is the owner of Elite Comics. So. Oh, there you go. That's that's fun to do that kind of stuff. Kill your, kill your shop owner. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought that second page and hung it on the wall of the store. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, well, speaking about uh, Cameron, I, I, I had read somewhere that he actually traveled to Vietnam to do research for the book. He did, which uh, which was weird for me. I mean, I, I met him for the first time in person in San Diego, 2005, and he left from there to fly to Vietnam for, I think, two weeks. He just traveled the country, died, uh, went you know to North Vietnam and South Vietnam, and I think went over into Cambodia too. Wow! Um, taking pictures and sketching, and had no plans. Like there's no tour. He wasn't set up with a tour guide or anything. He had a hotel reservation for the night he got there, and then he just kind of was on his own, which was scary for me. I mean, I'm I've just been a guy who's been sitting in my you know fucking living room at my desk typing the story out for a couple of years and now i meet this guy who's literally gotten shots and inoculations and got his passport he's going to vietnam parachuting in <laughs> like if this guy gets fucking bit by a you know a snake or something and dies i'm gonna feel like shit <laughs> where his <laughs> la- last comic book <laughs> where his last words before he got on the plane the the final draft of that script better not suck yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's some pretty serious dedication, uh, you know, to to his craft. My goodness, I, that that's that's pretty amazing to to imagine uh, him wanting to do that just for the the realism, and it shows in the book certainly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There there are scenes and backgrounds that are from you know reference he did while in Vietnam, and some of the characters are based on people he met while he was there. So yeah, from the get go, I was just blown away by his his level of commitment to the book and. You know, he said he wanted to bring something personal to the story since I had a personal connection to the war. And he's Canadian. He felt like he needed to do that. Even, you know, when when Karen Berger at Vertigo first uh, suggested Cameron, he wasn't what really, what really what anybody had in mind. Even Cameron himself didn't think he was right for the book. But, you know, it shows what I fucking know and why Karen Berger has been head of Vertigo for so long because I mean, he was obviously the perfect choice. And I think he knew that as soon as he saw how, how dedicated he was to the book, to the project from the get-go. Well, I think it's a, it's a pretty obvious uh, marriage of the, of the two of you in the book that you know, your writing his art complements the story very well. And, and one of the things that Tom, uh, going back to the, the first time that we had reviewed the book, what impressed Tom about it was your use of the sequential medium. To, to have, you know, insects and animals and inanimate objects talking to these characters. Oh, okay. It, you, I did you, say that. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I remember what you say, Tom. <laughs> but um, really wanted to, to compliment you on, on understanding and using the sequential medium so well. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I always wanted to write it as a comic. I, 
you know, I was never interested in writing some thinly veiled version of a screenplay. You know, and Hollywood's a nice place to visit, but I would never want to work there. You know, I love <laughs> I love comics, and that's where I hope I can continue to work. Well, Chris also said he enjoyed it too. Uh, since we're all passing on messages, <laughs> as, as well, I'm quoting Tom, <laughs> right. I'm sitting answering you. Um, you know, Jason, earlier uh, this week I was on. Sorry, not, not to interrupt you real quick before we move on. I also want to give credit to uh, Dave McKegg, whose colors I think on the book are just incredible. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Certainly, we should. Colors on that book are just just fucking gorgeous. I don't think. I mean, I, I, don't, I think he's doing some of the best work on the on the shelf today, and that's all him. That's all Dave McKegg. The poor forgotten colorist. We always forget the poor <laughs> colorist. Oh, it's beautiful work. Yeah, the offensive lineman of comics. Also. <laughs> I, I was on. Uh, I was on the website you had created uh, for or about your your cousin earlier, and reading some of the stories about his, uh, you know, work with the film and and some of the crazy stuff that happened there. Um, going back to you know your comments about Hollywood, did, did any of that sort of influence your? your attitude towards you know wanting to stay with comics or or did it have any influence at all in just selling your writing i don't know i, I never really thought of it that way um uh, yeah i mean my my cousin had a lot of crazy experiences but he was a rather eccentric guy to begin with um you know you're talking about a guy who got the greatest fine ever levied in the history of, of libraries you know he spent six months in jail for stealing library books <laughs> wow. like 700, 700 library books from libraries across the country <laughs> which he liked to say he liked to say weren't stolen they were just really overdue <laughs> stealing but the, the judge didn't see it that way and he spent six months in jail wow you know he That's had a long protracted clash with uh, Stanley Kubrick you know lived a very eccentric life he, when he died he was living in uh, Greece the guy who traveled the world so I, I don't know that that had a, a influence on me like not wanting to be involved in Hollywood it's just I've always been a comic fan and somehow you know found myself actually writing them and uh just loving every second of it and I have no no desire to do anything else right now how many overdue books do you have uh none that I'm gonna tell anybody about. <laughs> what are you in prison for uh library books overdue <laughs> no, uh, it's, no. the, it's like the same Louis Obispo County Jail so I doubt you know I don't think that's where they keep Manson <laughs> I don't think there are a lot of hardcore bangers <laughs> in St. Louis Obispo County Jail. Other overdue right. book people. Now, how, how many uh, how many issues is the other side going to run? It's five. Okay, it's five issues, so we're we're three fifths of the way through. And uh, mm-hmm. is there is there already plans to uh, to go to a trade with it? Uh, I believe so. I don't. Okay. They haven't put it on their schedule yet. I don't believe, but uh, yes, I've been told that there is. Fantastic. Which I think they were, you know, dedicated to uh, from the get-go because this does seem like something that would have some crossover appeal, hopefully, you know, to people who don't normally read comics. Oh, hey, one of the other things I want to ask you, I was reading uh, an interview uh, you had done, uh, I I don't remember where it was at, but you had mentioned how... um, you know, getting to know uh, the men that served with your cousin and and how they had influenced you so much and and one of the things you really wanted to do was was show them uh, the first issue when it came out and I was just wondering were you able to do that and and if so what was their reaction? They actually they just had their newest uh, reunion last month and I, I was not able to go. Um, I'm a stay at home dad in addition to a comic writer so that takes up a large part of my time. But I sent a big box of the books down there too and I'm not, I've, I've gotten some comic 
comments that have trickled in so far, and most of them have, have been great. You know, you, you know, you have to understand you're talking about a guy, a group of guys. That's what's so weird when you meet them is that they literally have nothing in common except for those few months that they spent together in Vietnam back in the '60s. You know, you're talking about guys like from the far left politically and from the far right. So it's hard to get them to agree on anything. <laughs> <laughs> And they're a very opinionated group of guys, so, you know, yeah, some of them have issues and they'll point out, like, well, this is the totally wrong type of helicopter. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, you know, hopefully we got the book right. The book feels true in, like, some sort of loftier, you know, pretentious-sounding sense, even though we missed little things like that, because we did our best. But The zombies are fine. So. <laughs> yes, yes, the zombies are historically accurate. <laughs> yeah. nice. Well, when, I mean, when you're doing you know such serious subject matter, you want to do it right, and and it feels like it's. I mean, it's it's definitely serious, and uh, you know it has it has that feel to it, and you know from from our you know very much layman perspective, it feels right from from our end. Hi, this is Greg Rucka, and we're all around comics. <laughs> Before we forget, I want to talk about an upcoming series that you have planned. I believe it is it in uh, the January previews uh, for yes. uh, your new series, Scalped, with uh, Jacques. Well, Jacques does the covers, but okay. uh, the interior art is by uh, the European artist, R.M. Guerra. And I'm obviously unprepared to ask you about this. Scalped. <laughs> uh, so it's well, a book. Garrett's pretty unknown. He's unknown in the States, so don't feel bad. You know, okay. He's done a lot of work in Spain and uh, in France, but I think this is his first big book in the States. What is uh, what, what is Scalped going to be about? Well, Scalped is a crime drama slash urban western that's set on a modern-day Indian reservation. Uh, focuses on organized crime revolving around this newly opened casino on the res. It's sort of like The Wire meets Cormac McCarthy with some Elmore Leonard westerns and Peck and Paul and like a little Bruce Lee thrown in. So. <laughs> I think I think Sal go. just got excited. <laughs> Sounds like What? <laughs> wow. and, and, and a lot of nudity. There's a lot of nudity. Nice. Curse, curse words for the kids. Because that's what the kids like. <laughs> the kids want to buy books with nudity and swearing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, no, I did. What made you want to write about this sort of concept? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, a crime drama, but set in the setting that you're putting it. In, it seems like an interesting perspective. But what uh, what brought you to that story? Uh, just another one of those long running obsessions I've had, just like the Vietnam War, uh, Native American history and culture has, has been another another one of those things that has fascinated me for a long time and you know just like i haven't been to vietnam i'm not a i'm not a native american so i'm, I'm you know taking a risk and then i'm venturing into something that some people may tell me i have no business writing about but the, the crime angle just it seemed to fit perfectly because you haven't really seen people tackle that yet you know indian gaming has become such a huge thing in the last decade you know it's a multi-billion dollar industry now in the united states and you, you hear some vague reports about the you know the how organized crime is starting to get involved in that which a lot of people deny so it seemed like something that was fresh uh, you know a fresh setting and fresh idea for a, a crime story it actually started out as um it was going to be a vertigo relaunch of uh, the old dc character scalp hunter Remember from um, World Weird Western Tales. It's kind of disappoints me because I had an idea a couple years ago for a movie that would be a parody of Ocean's Eleven, but they'd be robbing an uh-huh. uh, Indian casino. Because <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, because I grew up in Green Bay and there's a huge Indian casino nearby. And when we were 18, mm-hmm. 
that was like the place to go because it was the one like sort of evil thing you could do at 18 <laughs> and i was like gamble so or vote you could yeah. vote that's no. keep your political opinion <laughs> sorry <to> stop, <laughs> Voting. Well, anyway, well, um, don't let me stop you from doing your idea. By all means, <laughs> no, I mean, wanna... yeah. God damn it! <laughs> it's, happened, it's happened with Superman. Although, although, I, although we are doing that exact same story in the next story arc. Oh. <laughs> oh, now, now we are. Now we are. <laughs> Scribbling notes. Uh, oh well, God. I know uh, one of the things that you've done with this book that that you don't see in a lot of times in the, in in these types of stories is that the cast is almost completely native american you're not using a you know a, a half white half native american hero or or even a white hero or something you know that you see in a lot of stories that that are centered around that culture um, i know that was something that that was sort of important to you and 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 could you speak to that you know and why you wanted to make sure that was the way it was yeah i, I just think that's a like a typical hollywood cop out and that you have somebody who sits down and says hey let's let's you know cowboy cowboy indians are cool let's do a movie about indians set among indians but let's make the main guy a fucking white guy like hey let's our samurais are cool let's do a movie called the last samurai and let's get tom cruise, tom cruise. to play the lead <laughs> like you know that, that always seemed like a, a hollywood cop-out and uh so yeah i was i was very committed from the get-go if we're gonna do a book set on an indian reservation then shouldn't the cast mostly be indians <laughs> so, yeah, the main characters are uh, almost exclusively uh, Native Americans. You know, we do have a few white guys poking in here and there, but, um, yeah, that was very important. And and the story is basically, it's about uh, it's about a character who's coming back to the reservation after being, um, being gone for a while and sort of uh, denying his heritage, and, and he's, a, he's a police officer? Is that correct? Well, uh, yes, uh, Dash Badhorse is his name, and he's been gone for 15 years, and he's a guy who's always rejected his native culture and has never been interested in, uh, you know, considering himself a Lakota, and is for, kind of forced to come back to the reservation for the reasons you'll see in the first issue, and winds up hooking up with uh, the, the local tribal tribal leader who's also, uh, you know, burgeoning crime boss, and through him winds up becoming a tribal cop. So, uh, and there, you know, there's some secrets along the way, which I won't spoil, but that's the basic gist of it. With both the other side and 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 scalped, uh, it seems like you know the perspective we're seeing both these stories from are with characters that, in a lot of history, we haven't really seen sympathy for. Uh, a lot of the, you know the Vietnamese uh, characters and and American Indians are obviously characters that have been oppressed and and victims of American aggression. Uh, in history, have you ever? Did you ever have any experience with this so far? As as people thinking maybe I don't know, you know, your work is un-American in some way, or have you had any sort of you know retaliation in any way because of it? Uh, no, not that I know of. Um, okay, you just gave yeah, people I, ideas. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't, someone's well, like, wait a second. It's not my opinion. I'm just I was just wondering if you know I, I because well the reason I ask is because I when I'm reading the other side and and then I heard heard about uh, scalp you know I was just kind of thinking it's like wow you know we really wouldn't see these stories say 25 years ago or 20 years ago you know what i mean you wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell these stories in the way you're doing it and not get a lot of of feedback and negative feedback from it um so i was just wondering if you had seen any at all uh, and it sounds like not so that i think that's good but um you know and, and i didn't i didn't really come into these books like with an agenda in mind or anything i think it, it just kind of worked out and just these were the the stories and the characters I was interested in uh, 
and using. There was no grand plan. <laughs> He's we... not sitting there twirling his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's move on to a couple forum questions here. Uh, the first one is from David D. And he has two questions, one about Scalped and one about the other side. The first one is, uh, Scalped, what, if any, influence has author Sherman Alexie's stories about res life had on your work? Uh, I, I have some of those books on my Amazon wish list, if, if uh, somebody's looking to get me a Christmas present. Like Ian Frazier's uh, On the Res is a big influence, uh, uh, Keeping Time on Pine Ridge, uh, trying to look at my bookshelf to remember stuff like uh, in the spirit of crazy horse uh, so yeah I, I mean i've done the i've done the research hopefully yeah. Well, I guess if people want an answer to that question, they should buy that for you for Christmas. Yes, yes, they, they should send it to you. <laughs> then you can tell them in hindsight. Uh, his second question is, uh, on the other side, could this premise of the split narrative and the inevitable collision of these two men have worked over a much longer arc, or do you feel that the premise was much better suited to a miniseries? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could have drug it out for too long without it seeming padded. Um, you know, eventually you have to put those two characters in the same location. And, um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about what happens at the end, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel really comfortable with the length of the storyline that we have. Well, from the beginning of the series, you, you know that these two are, are going to end up, you know, uh, at least in close proximity to Hugging. each other. Hugging. Yes. Last panel is a hug. <laughs> I doubt that. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's all this book's going to Just wrap it up in a nice, happy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, the, and the five yeah. and five or six issues seems they, like the, the right amount of time. For, they meet for a beer and a cigarette. And like, <laughs> man, that was crazy. Get all the way here. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the bummer about the book is that I, I'm loving the story, and I'm just like these characters are not going to make this out of he- out of out of here alive. <laughs> it, you, you just you you almost feel that like they're doomed from the beginning, and but it's a car crash that you can't turn away from. Is, is yeah. how I feel about it. Um, uh, next question is uh, read John John Hook's question. John Hook has a question. Oh God. Um, <laughs> With the success of The Other Side and Scalped coming out as an ongoing monthly title, and them both being Vertigo books, my question is this. Do you have to butter both ears to get that hugely deformed melon of yours through a door, or do you just do the forehead? Uh, of course, that's Hook's question. Uh, can I suggest an answer? Sure. Fuck you, John. <laughs> John, John is not in a position to ask anybody about being able to fit through doors. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Snap. Well, he did have to say, uh, and for anyone who may be on the fence about Scalped, I've read issue one and I've seen art for issue two. It's going to be a very cool, hardcore series. The res is its own microcosm world filled to the brim in shit. Check it out. So. Well, well, that was nice. So I take back what I said. <laughs> You're like, oh shit. Uh, can you edit that part out? Yeah, all right. Call John. That's a very, that's a very attractive man. <laughs> well, um, uh, before we wrap up here, I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your career. You had won a a Marvel talent hunt. Is that correct? Yeah, this was a Marvel talent search that they did back in um, summer of 2001. They they like part of it at the San Diego Con and part at the Wizard World Chicago, which they picked like a writer and artist at, at each convention. And um, I, the, the Chicago one was for Wolverine. You had to submit a Wolverine idea. So I just typed up my little one page and dropped it in a box at the convention and kind of forgot about it. And it was like four or five months later when I got a, I was at work. I was working 
you know, a crummy job at a video store, and I had a message on my phone, like, saying, hey, this is, you know, such and such and such from Marvel Comics, uh, give me a call. My first thought was, like, wow, this fucking crook this guy called me just to tell me that I lost. Yeah. <laughs> what an ass. <laughs> nice story. We already did that origin story with Sabretooth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, yeah, I got to write an eight-page Wolverine story that was in Wolverine 175, right. yeah, which was obviously didn't lead to anything else at the time, but it just encouraged me to keep pitching things and, you know, plugging away and gave me the faith that I could actually, you know, get some more gigs doing writing comics. Do you think that helped with the pitch for the other side, or do you think, you know, they operate independently? I mean, did you did you mention whenever you pitched it, it's like, hey, I, I won the talent search, by the way, hire me, or did that have anything <laughs> to do with it? I think I did. Maybe it, maybe it did, and that you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it seemed made me seem like a professional, even though I'd only been paid to write eight pages. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much of an influence that had or not. Don't ever question it. Never question why you got the job. Never think about it too hard. So, was there anything in between then and 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 the other side that you pitched that? That uh, you think we'll ever see, or or is there anything in there that you know you know you look back on now and go no that that wasn't a good idea? Uh, there, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I pitched along the way. Um, I pitched a uh, I remember I pitched a Punisher story that was like his uh, origin in Vietnam, right? You know, around the same time that Garth Ennis was working on uh, Born. Wow, and they went with Ennis oh. instead of you. <laughs> I can't believe oh, that. No, the I, fuck? Was, I was shocked. <laughs> how, how did you like Born? Um, yeah, I like that. I, you know, I love Garth Ennis. I'm a big Garth Ennis fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, that, that's why I sent the, the pitch for the other side to Will Dennis, is because he had worked on those uh, uh, war story books that Ennis did for uh, Vertigo. Well, you're, you're, you're working on a war book. And then you've got a, a kind of a, a different look at a at a organized crime Indian reservation book. I don't know what genre that. Oh, fits in. that that old cliche again. <laughs> Another <laughs> Indian reservation book. Jesus yeah. Christ! It's e- the '90s all over again. Even though the the other side, I don't even know if I would categorize the other side as just a straight war book because I mean it's, it's almost a horror book. It's, well, you know, you know, I want to say I, because I, I haven't said this yet, but when when this book first came out, the other side, I had absolutely no interest. in it whatsoever because I and, and well, I don't mean you. well no no <laughs> I know I know it's horrible to I've say but Mr. Meditors before <laughs> no I, I just I I don't know if it was just because you know I I've watched so many movies about Vietnam and read stuff on Vietnam I just and I'm not a real big war book comic book reader anyway so I really had I I just didn't really think it would be something I liked but Tom liked it so much that I had to pick it up and and I'm really glad I I did so I just want to say for anyone out there that Maybe had the same feelings I did, where it's like ah, I just I'm not interested in war books. The other side is not a, just a war book; it, it's much more than that, and, and and I really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to get that out there at least, and for my own. And you know. I'm not full of shit. Yeah, and Tom's not. not. This, this is all Tom's <laughs> fault because Tom turned both of us onto it. Way to go, Tom! Well, thank you. <laughs> See, look, look at what I add. <laughs> Tom doesn't just show up every week. Every week it's an interview for my job. Every week I gotta earn it. Well, Jason, is there is there besides? It sounds like you're plenty busy with uh, with Scalp, but are there any other projects that uh, that are coming out that you're ready to talk about, or is that uh, still in the in the in the distant future? Uh, not that I can talk about yet, but yeah, the, you know, the other side has opened a lot of doors for me, and uh, I have a, a lot of stuff in the works for the next year. Some of it I'm already signed to do. Some of it's still kind of in the talking stage, and I'm really excited. It's going to be a you know I think a, a real diversity of, of genres. I think by the end of 
next year I will have covered you know a wide range of genres for a, a you know wide range of companies. Hot so to I'm tank. Pretty excited. Pretty excited about that. Any any plans to revisit Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> You're sure. not gonna, could, you, could you write a haunted tank story? Tom loves uh, haunted tank. I want haunted tank back. I'm sorry. I'm lame. Tony, I'm Tony Moore. Tony Moore is a huge haunted tank fan. So that's right. He is. If, if I was, if I wanted to write it, I know he would love to draw it. Uh, we'll have to work, we'll have to work on Tony. Hey, hey, Scalp's a Scalp's an ongoing, correct? That's not a mini series. No, yes, it is an ongoing. Okay, yeah. congratulations. You cool. know, J- Jason, it, it's you know more than anything, it's it's nice to hear a nice guy getting some some work because we had met you back at uh, in Wizard World well, Chicago. It's not fucking charity. No, I mean, <laughs> no, it's that's also, really no, nice. It's, it's, it's a nice story. You've He's done a, so much with what God gave you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a pretty talented writer. Yeah, so. but you know, we love the book. But I mean, you know, that's what I was asking the question. Is there anything? coming up i didn't want to say well so after scalped are you out of work so you know it's nice to hear that you've got some stuff coming. well no up. I, I had read i did obviously a lot of research trying to uh, learn more about you but i had read you you had penned like 30 issues of that already you sort of have plotted out um of scalp jesus yeah i like yeah i turned in a uh, you know a summary i think that went up to yeah to like 26 or 30 <laughs> so those are all mapped out and we're, we're actually we're pretty far ahead on the book too because uh, uh, you know we've been working on it for a while, but Vertigo wanted us to wait uh, so that they could bring out the other side first. So you know, Gara, the artist, just finished up uh, issue number six. Wow, cool! Wow. And well, just, just come out so, with the trade. I mean, come on, <laughs> so it'll ship on time. And well, the first issue comes out the first week of January, uh, along with the other side number four. Great. It's going to be Jason Week, Jason Aaron Week. <laughs> Jason Aaron Week. Right. I think it's been officially renamed, but I know. <laughs> Jason all the time. <laughs> all right, well, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to everything else that is going to be coming out from you here in the uh, in the near future and hopefully distant future as well. So you have a, a wonderful evening, and thanks for being on Around Comics. Thanks, guys. You guys have a great uh, holiday. All right, and we'd like to thank Jason Aaron for spending some time with us this evening. You guys, really enjoying his work on the other side. Can't wait to read Scalped. Yeah, I mean, other side is one of those books that I really hope people pick up because I think it's you know it's it's sort of under the radar and and uh, it deserves a, a bigger audience. You know, buy a trade. I, I think it'll hit the hit the trade market very well. I, I don't know if this is one that you know you want to you know run up and hand a Vietnam veteran because it's I mean it's intense. You know, it's uh, it is I, it is an intense book. I don't suggest giving gifts to any veteran. <laughs> no, God, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> All hate mail to Tom at AroundComics.com. They're angry. No, I mean it's it, it is a dark, grim book. It, it's it's entertaining, but I mean it's it's Chris, it's not a feel good book. It was a dark, grim war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, guys, you guys have just All seen wars, the, the, the All look wars on are dark and grim. <laughs> All wars are dark and grim except World War II, which was happy. Which was well, was good. Come on, Doughboys. Yeah, it I was guess. it was the war the end all wars. All that, of that was jazz. World War One. Oh, was it? Yeah, Oops. it go. was so good they had a sequel. I thought that was World War Two. No, World War One was the one that war to end all wars. And what was World War Two? World War Two was them the big one. thinking, oh the shit, we didn't end anything. <laughs> what? Didn't we just? 
fight one of these 20 years ago? <laughs> they're all standing around. 20 years ago. All right, so if you haven't checked out The Other Side, please do. It is currently on issue three that uh, shipped last week. So run into your old comic shop and see if you can scoop those up. And uh, thanks again to Jason Aaron for being on the show. And once you read The Other Side, why don't you leave us a voicemail at one eight 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 six five gcast and let us know what you think about it, just like uh, Vince B. Hey, guys. Uh, Dave Cockrum's recent death made me realize something inherently wrong with the comic book industry. I mean, here you have a guy who had a struggle during his final days just to find health care and, you know, keep himself alive when he was pretty much responsible for creating one of Marvel's biggest selling books of all time, a book that got them through a lot of lean years in the in the 90s and they could have turned around and returned the favor to Cockrum during his lean years but uh, I think their little uh, gift to him towards the end was a little bit too little, a little too late you know um, I think it's time the industry stopped treating creators like freelancers and started to you know, give credit and money where it's due and start looking at these people like partners and employees, and that means full health health benefits because, you know, when you are part of the team that created Uncanny X-Men, like I said, an extremely profitable book for Marvel, and your final years are spent trying to find a couple of bucks to pay for your health care, there's just something that's not right about that. So, uh, you know, I miss Dave Cockrum. I loved his work. And I think it's time we, we look at this situation. And, I mean, actor and groups like that, it's not enough. And they shouldn't exist in the first place. Publishers should treat creators with the respect they deserve and, uh, you know, share the profits. Because if it weren't for the creators, they wouldn't have anything to profit from. So... Let's get moving on this, guys. Not you, but, you know. Uh, we're working on it. feel very bad. Well, you know, Jesus. It, it was Cockrum. Come on. The guy was one of the best of all time. And uh, I remember running into him at a convention in the early to mid-'80s where he was selling off samples he got from working with Migo and Aurora. And I can only wonder why... Uh, an artist of his caliber and his renown would have to sell off these little dolls, you know, to make money. But that's the way the industry works, and it's a crime. It's a shame. So that's all I had to say. Keep up the great work, guys. Love the show. And, uh, you know, let's hear it for Dave Cockrum. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, I, you know, and, and yeah, Dave Cockrum's, you know, another uh, artist in a long list of them that uh, unfortunately were never properly compensated for their creations. But, you know, I, I think today the industry is a heck of a lot better. Sure, you're starting uh, to see a move where, where guys are, are signing, you know, these exclusive deals. Exclusive deals. Those, I mean, those, you certainly still you know, have... Benefits are a huge you, part of that. You still have freelancers that are out there mm-hmm. that don't have that kind of thing, you know, and... and but at some point, I mean, you, you can only expect... You know, like Marvel to DC to pay so much for past travesties. It's not. It's not Joe Casada's fault 
that Dave Cockrum, you know, wasn't wasn't compensated, compensated properly. And and yeah, you know, Marvel tried to help him out at some point, and in, in, in you know whatever it was, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, things are better I think than they've ever been for for artists, comic book artists, and writers. And there's probably still some work to be done, but as far as uh, you know, the Dave Cockrum certainly a, a legendary artist that that deserves all the respect uh, in this industry that that he gets, and, and even more than he gets probably. But sure. And that was uh, uh, Vince Beef, by the way. Uh, if you haven't checked out uh, Bullpen Bulletins, uh, please do so. Vince and David uh, Price do a fantastic uh, podcast, and they're and good it's usually not like that. It's serious. not as somber as <laughs> yeah. that. It's usually yeah, it's, <laughs> a little you know, more but, upbeat. But, you know, Vince knows his stuff, and yeah. he knows. Well, break. and Vince has a huge appreciation for. Uh, artist and and, and almost and masturbatory of the, yeah <laughs> of that era so it, almost, it's something almost almost Vince almost <laughs> it's, it's something good, good very cool. I hope you don't ever you know, prove me wrong it's something very serious to him and 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 it should be so. <coughs> all right well anyway the the hotline is a great way to interact with the show and another great way to interact with uh, around comics is our frapper map frapper the frapper mappers we we'd only had three frapper mappers yeah, what the fuck? uh this week chad enright from hermanston oregon he didn't say anything flag waver flag waver from louisville kentucky he didn't say anything also silent and, and this is the funniest uh fake internet name i've ever seen <laughs> hank, hank nazarbeck is that like a... <laughs> no hank that's a real oh, hank's, okay. hank's actually sent us some emails hank yeah. wants to come on the show and and uh, or I, he just wants to come here and, and like hang out and nice. stuff. So I now uh, look like he's, a dick. He's a 15, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice job, Tom. Yeah. He's he's like, a 15 year ass, old Tom. comic book fan and he wants to just come and check us out and be on the show. So uh, and and we're gonna certainly have that happen. In fact, I think Chris is working on uh, maybe we've got a show idea, a show with, idea with, with, for, Hank. with Hank and and, and another one and another, of our of our listeners. Another so, young so. listener. Chris is working on some way to get a 15 year old from. I'm plotting. <laughs> I'm plotting. I just ha- I just I'm have to talk to my makeup ready and my candy. And I just have to talk to my parole officer and we're all guys. set. Those are our frappers. All right, guys. After you join the frapper map and leave a hotline message, you can help spread the around comics love by uh, taking part of our listener LCS challenge. Uh, if you go to www.aroundcomics.com, you can download the flyer. Ask your local comic shop owner or manager. Who has answered it. the challenge? Uh, Nova Comics in Virginia, BuyMeToys.com in Indiana, Dragon Slayer Comics and Fantasy in Austin, Texas, The Source Comics and Games in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, and California Cards and Games in Elk Grove, California. Nice. And you can see uh, on the site uh, when you go to the section of, of the uh, uh, spread the love or the LCS mm-hmm. challenge, you can see those. Shops addresses, They're all linked and phone there, numbers, yeah. all that good stuff. So. All right, uh, podcast alley, drop us a vote if you can, and uh, iTunes music reviews. Please be as cool as Andy Parks and Scott Johnson and seventy odd other people, and we appreciate those votes at the iTunes Music Store. Um, wrap things up here. I want to let everyone know that we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of some of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. The forum, you guys did a great job asking some questions for Jason this week. Some great threads and comments out there. Uh, so we always enjoy your involvement there. Uh, just so everyone is aware, we post next week's topic on Tuesdays or thereabout at the forum at aroundcomics.com. 
uh, would like to thank the New York Comic Con for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Sal, Tom, as always, it's a great time. Everyone have a fantastic uh, weekend. We'll be back again next Monday with another new episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and, and around, around Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday <from> Monday. <laughs> like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time when the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2006. All rights reserved. Yeah. Why you got my love and love me?